This story centers on two main characters, Cornelius and Peter, and how God, through the Holy Spirit and some serious miraculous intervention and precisely choreographed orchestration of events, gets these two different people who aren't even allowed culturally to talk with or eat together to live in the same house for several days where undoubtedly there was food and conversation. Let's start with Cornelius. He's a Roman military captain living in Caesarea, the capital of the province. It's a respected profession. And we're told he's a God-fearer, meaning he's a Gentile, non-Jewish, but he's sympathetic to the Jewish religion. He obeys their moral code as evidenced by the fact that he prays at 3 p.m., the usual time of Jewish prayer, but he is not fully converted by being circumcised. He's doing everything he knows how to do, but there's still some missing pieces, and he's hungry for more. God hears his prayer, and an angel tells him where to go to get his questions answered. With military promptness, Cornelius obeys immediately. And then there's Peter. Hungry, sleepy, trying to pray Peter up on the rooftop. This is a great scene. In the first century, the rooftop was your extra room. Fresh air so better ventilated, a large canopy giving shade to your drying vegetables. Think of it like your back porch or your deck, which if you're like me, you're using now in COVID more than you ever have before, both for the fresh air and the opportunity to escape a crowded house. And God meets Peter right where he is hungry, just waiting for that meal to be prepared. He can smell it cooking and sleepy. He sees a vision of a large sheet, or was it the canopy on the rooftop or the sail of the sailboat off in the distance? Remember Simon the Tanner's house is by the sea. The word large sheet can mean long sail. Regardless, the sheep reveals both clean and unclean animals. Leviticus 11 detailed what animals Jewish people could eat and how to prepare them. They took this very seriously. It's why they would never be found eating with Gentiles. Gentiles would not only serve the wrong kinds of food, like bacon and pork, but would also cook the right foods improperly. One writer says the image before Peter was a mixture of foods calculated to disgust any good Orthodox Jew. And then came the horrifying order to eat them. Now, Peter's hungry, but he's not that hungry. No way, he tells the angel. But the angel corrects him a second time in verse 15. Don't call anything that God has made unclean. Now, this exact thing happens three more times. So in total, Peter's told six times to reimagine his diet. Pork is in. This comedic scene continues when at that precise moment, because they're Gentile and can't go into the house, Cornelius' Cornelius's delegation calls outside the gate. We're looking for Peter. Peter, still slow on the uptake, has to have the Holy Spirit whisper to him, Psst, go down the stairs, go down the rooftop stairs. These men are looking for you and go with them. Peter agrees to go with them, but he's no dummy. He needs witnesses or backup or something. 
so he takes along six other Jewish friends. They set off the next day for their nine to 10 hour nonstop walk to Caesarea. Cornelius has been waiting by the door with bells on, eager to hear whatever this man has to say. When Cornelius and Peter meet, it's an awkward moment. A Roman captain is bowing at the feet of a rural Galilean fisherman. A devout Jewish disciple is entering the home of a full-on Gentile. This is cray-cray. Neither of them expected this just days ago, but a lot has happened, and they share with each other their respective supernatural experiences. And it's about to get crazier. Peter walks through that door. That must have been hard for him to do. And he sees Cornelius' entire household, the, nearly the whole town, eager and open to hearing the preacher's sermon. Would that all audiences were that receptive to us preachers. And before he can even finish his sermon, long-winded as Peter sometimes is, the Spirit pours out and makes his presence indisputable to Peter and the others so that he has no other recourse than to say, these Gentiles must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They too are our brothers and sisters. And Peter, who wouldn't have dreamed of setting foot in this house days ago, now stays with Cornelius several days. Now, what does this crazy story mean for us? The point of this story is that God's heart is for all people to come to know the saving love of Jesus Christ. Or as Acts eleven eighteen summarizes, so then even to the Gentiles, God has granted forgiveness that leads to life. Everybody gets in on this. There are no restrictions. There are no preconditions. In the age of COVID, there are no capacity limits. God has no favorite children. The door is wide open. You, yes, even you can get in on this. The offer still stands because it is God's desire that this life-saving message of Jesus be for all people. This theme is woven throughout the entire Bible, actually, but here's just one example from Le Revelation 5, where we get a glimpse of God's throne room. We're told there that the angels, perhaps including the one who assured Cornelius in this story, your prayers have been heard, all sing before Jesus on the throne. You are worthy because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation. Even to the Gentiles, God has granted forgiveness. That means leads to life. So that means two things. First, to the Cornelius's among us, maybe joining us online. Maybe you didn't find us by an angel's directives, but by a Google search. Or maybe it was God's spirit through the Google search. It's been known to happen. Maybe like Cornelius, you're curious, earnest, seeking. Maybe God is drawing you to himself. Will you respond and receive the forgiveness that leads to life? God is still answering prayers of Cornelius's today, 
and it is a beautiful thing to see. Several years ago, there was a woman at our Alpha Day Away. She was a Cornelius. She literally told me in one conversation, I'm trying to become a Christian, I'm seeking. One of her barriers had been she couldn't understand that God was personal. The whole idea of the Holy Spirit speaking to her in a personal way didn't make any sense. We began our Alpha Day Away with a video on who the Holy Spirit is. The video was illustrating how the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, helping us in our times of need. And it told the story of how a passenger who needed help landing a plane because the pilot had died, um, got that help by another plane coming alongside him. During this video, the woman's face was as white as a ghost. And after it, we asked her, are you okay? And she said, this is just really weird. Last night I had a dream. I never have dreams. And I dreamed that I was flying a plane and I needed help. People in the group said, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. It was an important piece for her in her journey. If you're new to this faith thing or new again to this faith thing, we are so glad you're here. Maybe you don't quite know how you got here, but you have come to the right place. Jesus offers real life and we want you to know it. Weird coincidences might be happening in your life. Go with it. What do you have to lose? God loves you and perhaps he is pursuing you. Respond to him as Cornelius did. Trust Jesus to provide forgiveness that leads to life. If you want any help with that, please reach out. We all have to be more intentional now with COVID, but trust me, you are not bothering the staff of this church when you ask about this stuff. You are the reason we do this stuff. Second, to the Peters among us, who is your Cornelius? Who is the person or who are the people you aren't inclined to share the good news of Jesus Christ with either because of personal prejudices or racial bias or different backgrounds, or maybe you just wouldn't normally overlap or intersect with those people unless the Spirit of God picked you up and put you in that part of town. God literally sends a delegation to escort Peter out of where he is and to walk the 30 miles to a different part of town so he could see the need that was there. The hungry audience is just waiting receptively to hear his message. Peter spoke to a lot of crowds in his time, but I doubt he ever had such a receptive audience. Everything was there. They just needed the person to bring the message. I wonder if at this moment, Peter's mind flashed back a few years ago to when Jesus was on this earth and he and the other disciples had just walked in on Jesus having a spiritual conversation with a Samaritan woman, nonetheless, a non-Jew and a woman. And when the disciples rebuked him, Jesus replied in John 4, 35, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. The people were open, receptive, seeking earnest, they just needed someone to give them the message. But more importantly than the message, they needed someone to live it out, 
to embody that message. If it was just a content issue, don't you think the angel could have helped Cornelius? I'm quite sure that the angel from heaven Cornelius saw was well aware of the heart of the gospel. Jesus Christ lived, died, was raised to life so that everyone who believes in him can have forgiveness in his name. It wasn't just a content issue. God wanted Peter to show up, to cross the threshold of Cornelius' door, to eat with him, to stay with him for days, to live among him, to show him that these two who had been divided were now one in Christ. Or as Paul says in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The message of Christ is for Roman captains as well as Galilean fishermen, for urban elites as well as country bumpkins. One writer commented on this story that it was hard for Peter to see Cornelius and the Gentiles as having the same access to God as the Jewish people because it meant that the Jewish people had to see themselves on the same level as sinful Gentiles and that was hard to accept. I think this is still true today. We don't usually say it out loud and we might not even be aware of it, but I think if we've been following Jesus for a while, we can start to think we're following him because we're better than others or because we did something right. And that's simply not true. I noticed this in my own life, not with someone of a different race than me, but with someone who has a very different background and upbringing than me, a man we'll call Dan. Andy and I first met Dan several years ago through uh, our kids' activities where we were peripherally connected. I'll be honest, I did not like Dan. I found him cocky and rude and mean to kids. It probably didn't help that he knew I was a pastor and he was a self-professed atheist with significant disdain for the church and Christians given how he was raised. But fast forward to a few years ago, and God literally put me in closer proximity to Dan and his family. I started feeling convicted to pray for him. And as I did, I found I got to know Dan more, and I actually grew to like him. He was smart. He was funny. We had great conversations about politics and kids and life. The story, I'll admit, is still unfolding here, but Dan has softened considerably too. I've actually heard him identify himself as a Christian to other people. Lesson learned for me. Someone who I thought was far from God, who was not interested, who I didn't like initially, was actually open and seeking. I wasn't open to him receiving God, but God was, even to Dan. God offers forgiveness that leads to life. God's heart is for all people to come to know the saving love of Jesus Christ. And because of that, God's heart is for his church to be a living embodiment of that love. So, who is your Cornelius? I'll give you a moment now for the same Holy Spirit to put a face or a name or a part of town into your mind. Once you have that name 
or face in your mind, let me remind you of our message today. Even to God has granted forgiveness that leads to life. What are you doing to see and hear that they experience that life-changing love? Certainly, I encourage you to pray for that person, and as you do, you will discover how you can love them. People's lives are so dark right now. It doesn't take a lot of light to make things brighter. For the story of God's church may conclude on papyrus in Acts 28, but it is still being lived out now in the church global today and in this church today. There are still God-fearing people seeking him. Cornelius is a pound. The Holy Spirit is still speaking and wooing and orchestrating behind the scenes. Will his people obey and go that others might hear and experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ? May it be so. Amen. Oh God, we love your word. It is so rich, and this story so captures your spirit alive and well, working behind the scenes to do extraordinary things with sleepy, hungry, pretty frail human beings. May it be so among us. Open our eyes to see and hear who you are asking us to go across town to see, who you are asking us in our relational network to love, that they might experience your life-changing love and forgiveness that leads to life. We pray this in your name and always for your sake. Amen.